Hey, what's up guys? It's Nick. We have a fun little episode this week. We are telling our design horror stories. And I think uh, by the time you're listening to this, it won't be Halloween, but we recorded this on Halloween. So it was a fun little episode. Uh, we also called in Reed Schlegel to give his take, and we listened to a bunch of submissions. So I hope you guys are excited for this episode. And you guys know the deal. Follow on Spotify, like, subscribe on YouTube, uh, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts, and coming out on Discord. You can find the link on our Instagram at MinorDetailsPod or on our website, MinorDetailsPodcast.com. And big thanks to Let's Design Daily on Instagram. They post amazing design work from designers across the world and help promote the podcast. So go show your thanks, give them a follow, and of course, got to shout out Kyoshi the Kid for the intro and outro. All right, let's get to it. details i'm nick i'm james and i'm reed and we are three designers across the country sweating the small stuff reed you didn't sweat what's going on never sweat oh, oh. Man. Uh, well, this, <laughs> this is a spooky little episode we have we're we're recording on halloween night Ooh. i know that stuffed animal in james's background is Terrifying. He's looking right at us. Well, that looks that looks like a nice. That's like the ugly. What do they call it? Ugly thing. Yeah, it's the ugly doll. Ugly doll. Yeah. Well, uh, we wanted to tell some design horror stories. We did this last year, and we thought it'd be fun to call in Reed to tell his design horror story, and then we'll get to some others later on in this episode. But Reed, let's uh, let's hit it off. Let's hear it. What do you got? So first off, what do you think? I have lots of horror stories. Like, what do you think is going on? <laughs> like, that I mean, guy read. I hoped. I hoped that you had a lot of horror stories. I mean, you're just so perfect. You don't sweat. You're gorgeous. No, you you must have good horror stories. Um, well, I'm blushing right now. First off, but uh, no, I had a few. I was thinking about it, and I came up with two. That I remember one made me really mad, and one scared the crap out of me. <clears throat> so I'll go in chronological order and I might've actually used these at some point on your podcast in the past. But the first one was when I was an intern at smart design and I was doing everything in my power to get a full-time job. So any mistake to me was like the biggest deal in the entire world. So at one point we were working on the OXO, I think it was coffee makers, which they're all out in the world now. So we can talk about it a little bit. But this was before they came up with the final design. And one of the senior designers asked me to go on the lathe and make foam prototypes of these things for a client meeting that was coming up. So I go in the shop and the first time I'm all cocky. I'm like, I'm going to make it in one shot. I'm going to put on the lathe. I'll turn the whole thing. It'll be great. And I do it. And I go back and he goes, Reed, look at these dimensions. They're all off. This is wrong. That's wrong. I do it, do it again. We have two and a half hours until the meeting starts. I need a model done. And I was like, no matter what you say, I'll do it. Ask, jump, I'll jump, I'll high, whatever the phrase is. So I go back in the shop and this time I think, okay, I'm going to be smart about this. I'm going to do, it was like a 
hourglass shape. So I did the top part and then I did the bottom part and then I glued them together and I was going to do the middle afterwards. And in my rush, I did not stop to think about it's a lathe. So if things are not perfectly central to each other, there'll be oscillations. And if you have a lot of oscillations, things can go wrong. Oh boy. So I put it on there and it's going and I hear <laughs> and like literally the entire <laughs> lathe shook the concrete floor in the studio and then it threw like 15 pounds of foam off into the ceiling and like broke a few tiles and came back down. Oh my God. And honestly, I'm just lucky to have survived. If it had come at my face, it it could have killed me. It was a serious amount of foam as like flew off this thing. Dang. And then the shop guy, Ron, ran in. He's like, oh my God, what's happening? Are you alive? Like, I've never felt the floor shake like that. What happened? And I was like shitting myself. I was so scared. I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I missed that. I didn't know what to do. And then the worst part about it was I didn't even care that I had lived because I wanted to die at that moment. And we, the model was like kind of destroyed in one half. So what we ended up having to do is we cut it in half painted the back black and stuck on a mirror. That way it was like a super old school, like Raymond Lowy style of like, oh, now it's perfectly symmetrical again. And that's what they showed in the meeting. <laughs> nice. nice. So that was the first one that I had that kind of scared the living crap out of me. Was this, yeah. was this like wrench shape or was uh, this like insulation foam? In between, it was that like sea yellow. foam, green foam. Oh, okay. So it's yeah, like yeah, the yeah. blue foam, then yellow, then the green, then wren shape. So it right. was the green foam. So it was pretty dense. And yeah, it just, the whole studio found out my mistake because I literally caused a minor earthquake in the yeah. office. They're like, I don't care that I'm alive. I'm going to get fired. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to have a full-time job after this. Do you know what that means? <laughs> Oh, I can't gosh. imagine having to eulogize you at a funeral after getting hit with it by a green foam model. Oh, it would have been I, an amazing blue foam dust post. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the way to go, you know? Yeah. Die by foam. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> so that's my first story. And the second one is, I've definitely told you guys a story in passing. I'm not sure if on the podcast or not, but when I was working at Frog, we were doing user sessions for this one client and we had these big boards. We had made four foot by eight foot boards and all these concept sketches and Sketchbook Pro printed out in huge and all the details and blah, blah, blah stuff on it. And we had user sessions. So we had a room with a one-way mirror and we were watching sessions. And I, the designer was in the room taking notes, like watching, but then the rest of my team was in the other room watching and then the moderator was doing the session. So this moderator starts asking questions and we have this guy who's sitting there and he's just like, I'm from New Jersey. So I guess I can make this accent and make fun of people from New Jersey. But he was just like, so telling me that this, I can say whatever I want. I'm not going to hurt anybody's feelings about all this. <laughs> and he's like, yes, of course. This is like a safe space. You can say whatever you want. We want your honest opinion. And he goes, good. That's the stupidest fucking shit I've ever seen in my entire life. And whoever did that is a fucking moron. And I'm sitting in the corner and my project manager's like, keep a calm face, don't say anything. And then the worst part was he had had this whole like mob mentality the whole time where whenever he said, everyone else jumped on. So then everyone else was like, yeah, that's terrible. Who would have done that? Like, why would anyone even think that was a good idea? And they just like tore my concept in half. 
And yeah. I had to sit there for like 20 minutes while they just ripped it in half. And I was just taking notes like fucking worst idea ever seen. Who would have done this in their right mind? And that was a very scary experience because the client was there and we're supposed to be like the experts and it's getting completely torn in half during user sessions. Yeah. To be fair, sometimes clients go like, we want to have five ideas or seven ideas, some, some ridiculous number just to hit some metrics. So they can say, well, we went through all these ideas and this was the best one. That was like the second to last idea we had to force in there. So it wasn't even my favorite idea. It wasn't like the thing I was betting all of my money on. It was just the one that had to be in there just to hit the number of concepts they wanted. Mm. But at that point in time, I felt like the worst designer in the world. And it was a pretty <laughs> shitty experience. I, that's, that's a tough one. When you're when that, your client's there yeah. and, and people are just ripping up your concept. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder if in different parts of the country, if like focus groups are more positive than negative, like obviously you bring in some New Jersey, Staten Island people, they're going to tear you apart. But imagine like a focus group in the Midwest and they're like, oh gosh, that's just so neat. Like oh, when I pick my participants, I what? only pick Canadians. I only pick Canadians. I don't even so know what, ac- what accent was that, James? That was Minnesota. Come on. Oh, okay. Keep- Keep up with the program. I don't think uh, Minnesota. I I feel like although although uh, Midwesterners and Canadians are very nice, I also feel like they have a deep seated dark side just because of the harsh winters that they have to go through. There's like a subtle hint of darkness within mm. these within these uh, people, but but they're super nice. Otherwise, I, don't know, I know what the darkness is. That sounds. <laughs> Well, I have, I have one more question, Reed. What's, uh, did your favorite concept get selected and go through? Because that's the real question. Um, honestly, I don't even know. It was like one of these large blue sky projects in a mm. massive corporation. So it was one of those where you design for weeks and then you just punt it over the fence and cross your fingers that it'll work. So I never saw it again. And that one was, a, that was the only retail project I ever did. And I've been to the store since then, and I haven't seen it. So I think it kind of went into the abyss of PDFs that go to CEOs. And then they're like, oh, that's great. Cool. And then never thought about it again. So I don't think my concept got picked. Or if it did, it just never went anywhere. I don't know, honestly. <laughs> Such a shame. It is I, a shame. It, it, does, it does remind me. I do have, I think, one more horror story. Um, this is this is a pretty short one. I know Reed, you have to go soon, but um, but when I was working at Lifetime Brands, I had gotten the first sample of my first product back. Actually, there's two horror stories in this. Um, so I I had done all of the CAD for this uh, for this sample for this product. It was the KitchenAid self leveling measuring spoons. So I'd done everything, all the final CAD, and I got it back. And like I had, for some reason, I had manually placed like the decimal points for the measurements and I had accidentally on one of the spoons, like the decimal point was all the, like, like not in the middle, but almost like all the way to the right (laughs) towards the number that it was next to. And I was like, oh my God, like, this is awful. This is so terrible. So I... They eventually ended up fixing it. I, I had written it in like the inspect. Um, so I was doing the inspect for the product. And I, like, of course I was so intimate with it 
that I was pointing out like every little thing as an error. And I took like an entire day, whereas like most of the time they wanted you to spend like maybe an hour on an inspect. And so the, like the big boss called me in like the next day I was still finishing it up. I had told my manager, my direct manager, I was like, yeah, yeah, like I'll have it done soon. And I just had that conversation with her when the big boss called me in and was like, you know, what's, what's going on? What's taking so long? And I was like, you know, there's a lot of problems that I was just like talking to. And, and he was like, are you giving me attitude right now? <laughs> what? And, and what I should have said was no. <laughs> but what I did say was like, I just explained all of this to my manager. Like, and he like basically threw the product back at me and was like, get out of my office. I, I thought, I thought I was going to get fired, but <laughs> like, but he, I apologized to him later. It was just not, I was just being like a, like a young hothead designer where I had no right to be. Yeah. But uh, you know, it was all good in the end, but <laughs> But yeah, it's it's so hard with your first product. Like you're just scrutinizing every little thing after For you get sure. it back from the factory because you're like, how could you screw up any of this? Okay, I it, made it, it perfect. It looks perfect in Keyshot. Why can't you make it look like that? Right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Oh man. Do you have any other horror stories, Nick? Well, I was gonna jump into the uh, the submissions. And I do have a tangent off of one of the submissions, but Nick, you have um, to give at least one. You can't let James and I air our dirty laundry. And you're like, (laughs) nah, I'm going to go to someone else's problems. I have a tangent off of a horror story, but we have to listen to it first. So I, I, uh, okay. Okay. I could could tell you my horror story later, or we can, I'll send you the podcast and you can listen to it later. I'll listen to it either way. Um, I do have, uh, Reed, how long are you with us? How long are you staying around for? Are you just hanging out? Quarantine. I'm not doing anything. Okay. Because I did. I did Zo- want to go. Zoom on... will kick Reed in a bit, but we'll. <laughs> okay. I did want to go on one tangent that's not horror story related. I heard your interview on Lens with uh, mm-hmm. with with Advanced Design, and I was thinking about this. I feel like sometimes I feel like. It's, it's almost better to ask somebody else why somebody's successful than to ask them because mm-hmm. I feel like you downplay, you downplayed in that interview what, what it took to, for you to get the jobs that you did. And okay. I, just wanted to, I just wanted to set the story straight because I feel like you were like, I'm just lucky, like lucky old me. I got into smart design and frog, but Reed, you're like one of the hardest working people I've ever met in my life. So I just, I just don't want people to think like, oh, Reed, he's just like this lucky guy who, who lucked into amazing skills. And like you, like you were easily the hardest working person in school. Like I've never seen somebody so diligent and like use their time so efficiently. So I feel like I just wanted to set the story straight that like, yes, there is, there are elements of luck, but there's also a huge portion of that, which is just like, you made your luck by working as hard as you could on your craft. Well, thank so, you, James. It well, makes me feel good. I feel like that's not the same these days. Quarantine is like, suck that drive. So <laughs> I remind myself that I, I feel part like of that. me did exist. 
Yeah, but I mean, like, you're, you're also, you've established yourself, I feel like, at some point, you know, you're, you're focusing your energy on different types of things, like your, you know, the project that you're working on with getting the land in New York and building this, this house, you're just like shifting your energies maybe a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I feel like you've also, you've also like that, that Picasso story about like, he sketched that thing in two seconds, but it's like a lifetime of work. I feel like you put in so much work to get up to where you are that, yeah, maybe you don't have to focus the same amount of time on your skills. You just have to like keep them fresh mm. at this point. You're just like, you know, maintaining. I don't know. Well, thank you, James. I didn't know that was coming and I appreciate it. That was really yeah. nice. Thing. Yeah. Well, can, I just, can you, give us a quick overview about your lens talk was it uh about how you just got mm -hmm. your jobs at these consultancies or uh it was basically i focused on so you want to be a consultant so it was mm -hmm. just okay. i've only done consulting my whole career so i was thinking through what's it like being a consultant how do you get a job there what are the pros cons just kind of navigating that field a little bit um and then giving my very uneducated or not very but like hypothetical opinion on what it's like between corporate and consulting since I've never worked corporate. So we just kind of talked about that for about an hour. Hmm. Okay. But yeah, I echo James, you've obviously are a very hardworking designer. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, both of you guys are like, <laughs> I would say they're just for every single people. person in this. But I mean, I do agree with you. I think something about design is it's not so much about what talent you have. It's how hard you push to put that talent to good use yeah. and at the same time a lot of times you don't have to have talent outright you just need to want it bad enough to figure out what you're good at and then put time into those skills so it's like i teach a sketching class at parsons some people come in and just are amazing but yeah. some people surprise me by the end of the semester and just put in the extra work and they actually become better than the people who were just good in the beginning and so much it's just about are you dedicated or are you not and that's like yeah. the about life yeah and i feel like we got told this quote a lot in school was this whole like work smart not hard but i i also feel like you have to work hard in order to figure out how to work smart like mm -hmm. in a way you can't you point. can't just like be like oh like i've got this all figured out i'll just a to b it's like you have to pick up all the skills in order to be able to work efficiently in the first place mm -hmm. um you know so yeah but uh yeah and it definitely feels like when you're a student or I used to think in my career, it's like, oh, you work really hard in the beginning and you hone those skills to here and then you kind of make it. But then you realize that, oh, that just punks you into another category and then you have to do it again. So it's like right. perpetually, it's like you work really hard to get your job in school and then you work really hard. Then you become a senior designer and then you become a manager and then you need to figure out new skills, then you become an owner. And it's like, there's always another gate you're opening up that requires yeah. a lot of time into it. It's just different you, things you're learning. Are you saying you're gonna be an owner, Reed? Is that the uh, next level for you? I don't know. I did get promoted to a creative director, associate creative director this week. Hey. Congrats, that's Congratulations. awesome. Congratulations, cheers. about that. Thank you, cheers. Um, yeah, I was actually out today because my girlfriend, Lita, she got promoted to director of her department in the city. So we went promotion out. promotion yeah, we had, day we had a few awesome. day drinks which was fun so like nice. last somewhat warm day in the city before we go into covid winter which is how that goes but 
Yeah. yeah. James over in LA out in the sun, you can hang outside all year. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah Health. It's uh it's what you want. Um, but uh but yeah, no, I just I just felt like I you know I just think um I think oftentimes like I think it is valuable to interview people about their process and, and what they do and, and what makes them who they are. But I also feel like equally important is, could be to like interview somebody close to them. Like I essentially observed you. I like Jane Goodall view all through school. Like I just watched reach the development of reach Schlegel. Is that the lady who watched all the chimpanzees? Yeah, exactly. I watched you. I watched you groom our classmates, and then you know, uh, eat insects off their head, and then do a hundred sketches before you left. I don't know, James. I think it goes a lot more cyclically than that. Where it's like I was on the phone with Jason Cusack the other day. He set the bar super high. I sat and watched you and Ion like figure out how to do all the different things that I didn't know how to do. And sorry, Nick, this is again like a very like chutchy mealy moment with James and I, but like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's like, that's the biggest thing about studio is, and that's one thing I feel bad about for students right now who are doing class remotely is that you don't really get that vibe of yeah. feeding off of and competing in a healthy way with each other to kind of raise the bar for the whole group. And it's something that I know, like if I was working in isolation, I would be a different designer and you both would be different designers. And it's just something that is, unfortunately missing from design school right now, which is a little bit of a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do wonder about like sort of the freshman sophomore classes, how they're, how they're doing. Like some of them haven't even met their classmates in person. Mm -hmm. And so how do you even start up a relationship like we did when we were in school? Yeah. And there's also this whole weird thing where, not that school should be driven by shame, but it's like there is the part of school where if you put bad work up, you can't hide. Like you're there in front yes. of your bad work. But now it's like when you're on Zoom, people just put up shitty work and it's like camera off. <laughs> and like, yeah, exactly. and like you can just hide from your not putting in the work to get you to that spot. So I don't know. It's We'll see oh. in like six years like what it, what the results of COVID are on designers. I still have yeah. very high hopes. I think everyone will do great. It's just going to be a different path to get there. And maybe people have different skill sets. Who knows? We'll yeah. See. Well, here's, here's a plug. If you're a student right now and you're looking for some good feedback and some community, join the discord. Yeah. And, uh, and we'll help you out. Reed, do you know how you have an emoji on discord? Did I tell you that? I have an emoji. Yeah. Your own emoji. You should. Doesn't he have two? I think you have two. I think it's like one with you in full knight armor. <laughs> Wait, so it's made like a graphic or it's a photo that was cut and made very small? It was a photo. It was a photo that was cut out. Interesting. Well, actually, it's Halloween, so I was debating whether to wear my costume again. So I mean, that, that costume, how, how many times have you worn it? This would be the third year, so it's getting a little redundant now. But yeah, but you also yeah. made a chainmail shirt. I feel like you have the license to wear that costume for the rest of your oh, life. I'm gonna milk that shirt as long as I can. That thing took like 150 hours or something like that. <laughs> it was stupid. Um, should we uh, should we move on to some other horror stories? 
Yes. I think so. Reed, it was wonderful to have you on and great to listen to your stories. Thanks so much for sharing. Always a pleasure. Thank you guys. And I'll listen to the podcast when this episode is finished and airing. Yeah. Uh, All right. Later, dude. All right, guys. Have a good night. Thank you. Good night. Bye. Bye. The King. Oh man. Such a good guy. Yeah. Um, all right, James. Well, we got a, a few submissions in, and Let's so I thought I'd I thought I'd read them out here. I, I wonder if I can can I do a screen share? Usually, you're right. the one doing the uh, operating the, of the the sharing of the screens. The sharing of the screens. All right, what do you see now? Oh, I you see a screen. See some stuff. Okay. Yeah. All right. So this one comes from Natalia Balthazar. I am currently in my last year of ID, but one story I had was from either my first or second year of the ID program. I was in the shop working on one of my projects, and at that time, the woodworking class was also there. You can probably already see where this is going, right? (laughs) Their professor had set up a jig for the table saw to do a certain type of cut. The students in the class were making one by one, making that cut on the table saw. However, If you've ever worked with the table saw before, you know about kickbacks. So this one student was making their cut and there was a kickback and a very slim piece of wood shot back and hit the wall behind them. And uh, Natalia says, I became aware of what happened from the deafening sound of that piece of wood when it hit the wall. Everyone quickly turned around in shock to see what happened. But I swear if someone had been standing in that path of the piece of wood, it would have just gone straight through them. And from that day on, I've been traumatized from using the table saw. Oh, no. Man, I tell you what, table saws can be scary. I think we yeah. had a few, a few kickbacks in my school as well. Just, you would see the piece of wood just stick into the wall, like just like, yeah. you know, three inches deep. I but, feel like if, if uh, Design School was a, was a horror movie, that story would have been like the beginning of the horror movie where they're just like throwing in some jump scares just to like throw you off. So it would that would have been like, you know, and the shopkeeper would have had like, you know, his entire hand missing or something and just like pushing through with his stump. And uh, <laughs> we, should, we should write a movie script, James. This is good stuff. Yeah. Well, there, I mean, there's just so many shop. I mean, I feel very lucky that I didn't injure myself in the shop because I was such a shop novice. But there was the only shop accident. Actually, there was two when I was in school. One was a guy in our class that was opening. I think he was opening up a package with a chisel. Like he was opening oh, up a deer that and, is so bad and like chiseled straight into his hand. Oh, <laughs> chisels are no joke. They are. Yeah. You definitely don't want to mess with a chisel. Yeah. Um, or I had, the, you know, I had the shop story of my friend cutting their, their hand last year. I think that was one of my stories. Last they, year. they cut their hand. Yeah. You should go. You got to go back and listen to that one. It's a, yeah. it's a classic. But I think another kid uh, put his finger through the planer. Oh, or yeah. the joiner you, joiner you mean? I don't think you can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, joiner. So but The joiner yeah. is super dangerous. Yeah, you don't want to yeah. get caught with that one. Yeah, but, um, but yeah, no, nothing, nothing too big otherwise. Um, but uh, I think, um, 
Yeah, I mean, the kick, I think actually one time I, I left the, uh, that tool in for the drill the, chuck. Yeah, the chuck, that, you put the chuck in and it swung out at you. I think it flew across the room. Oh, yeah. I think I've been hit by the Joe Chuck before. I've done the exact that, same. That's, yeah, that is, that, that seems like they should at least tether it to the machine somehow. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, for sure. There's, there's got to be some solution there. Some, actually, some Joe Chucks have a spring load. So you put it in and you, you chuck up the bit. And then if you let go, it pops out. Like, uh, well, just... yeah, that's that's clearly because of the massive amounts of Chuck deaths that there that there have been. Right, some designer personally was affected and became a designer because of that. Design, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Designed the drill chuck. That was the one yeah. year in life. I think I'm pretty sure that person has an eye patch. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> you know, um, but uh, I think we have we have an we audio yeah. audio submission. Mm-hmm. How do so we play I, this? How do we I play this so that they can hear? So that well, I can hear. I believe I can share it, share the audio with you in Zoom. I am just going to see how that works. All right. Do you see? I see it. Can you hear? Um, can you hear, James? No, I don't think so. Uh, Hang on a second. Oh, share computer sound. Oh, here we go. Right. Oh, company was called Protos Eyewear. Can you hear now? Yeah. yeah. Oh, we are. It says we are running out of time on Zoom. We will s- uh, see what's about to happen here. All right, I'm gonna play it. Mm-hmm. The company was called Protos Eyewear, and essentially, it was 3D printed custom fit eyewear. My co-founders had developed an algorithm where essentially you could rapidly customize a frame to fit any face just from a couple of pictures. It's pretty amazing stuff. In addition to that, I developed this entire finishing process for 3D printing to make it so that the frames were super high quality and durable. And you know they just felt like $250 frames because that's what they were. That is pretty much where the good things end with this story. Everything goes downhill from there. <laughs> We were six months behind on delivering our product because we had yet to develop a 3D printable hinge. The hinge needed to be 3D printed because basically to do assembly of a metal hinge would have been too expensive and cut into our margins too much. So basically, I had developed something that I was pretty confident in. We got our samples, everything was good, the hinges felt right. So these hinges needed to be a very specific size and tolerance. I remember vividly. I made the hinge size 3.8 millimeters, and they actually needed to be 3.6 millimeters in diameter. So when I sent the files to the manufacturers and they told me that these hinges were not going to work, they weren't the right tolerance, we were in big trouble because each of these frames was its own STL file. It's not like you could just sort of go in and change the tolerance of one and, oh, it's done. Our co-founder, Doug, had already fitted the frames for everybody, and they had the wrong size hinge post. Our CEO, Mark, wanted us to just push it and, and send it out. And I said, Mark, we can't do that. We, we have to make sure that these are of a certain quality. And you have to realize that I had been saying this for six months. So he was at his wit's end, understandably, totally understandably. He basically said, okay, well, If you want to do this, you can do it, but it has to be done by tomorrow. We are sending these frames out by tomorrow 
no matter what state that they're in. So I basically had to go in and figure out, first of all, a workflow to even change these STL meshes since they were STLs. I had to manually change the size of the post from whatever it was, 3.8 to 3.6 millimeters. It was absolutely insane. So one thing that I want to mention is that I was actually moonlighting. This startup that I was doing was sort of a side hustle. And I was working not quite full-time, but close to full-time at a consultancy. And by the time I even got started on it, it was already six o'clock in the evening. By the time I figured out how to adjust the STLs, it was, I would say, 9 or 10 p.m. By the time I finished making the adjustments to each individual customized file, it was 5 in the morning. I had worked <laughs> all through the entire night, and I had to work the next day. I had to go work at this consultancy. I think you can probably guess where this is going. It's very similar to James's story from last year, where... I said, oh, I'll just take a quick nap for an hour or two and I'll set an alarm and I'll just go to work. Well, I slept through all of my alarms and now it is 6 p.m. the next day. I completely missed work. I, I didn't show up to work. <laughs> so thank God both of the principals had taken off from work that day. And of course, you know, I, I ended up working basically from 6 p.m. till till about 3 or 4 a.m. the next day in order to make up the hours. But they weren't in the office, so they, they were none the wiser about this. I sent them some files you know, late at night. I don't know if they were suspicious. Who knows? But I was very lucky that they were not in town that particular day. Otherwise, I probably would have gotten fired. Now, you would think that everything ended up okay after this. You know, I, I sent in the files. They were the proper tolerance, and everything worked out. Most of the frames were great. They were actually beautiful. But there were about 20 or 30 of them that had super defective surfacing on them, really, really defective finishing. And you have to realize, you know, these are expensive frames. They, they need to be of a certain quality. It just coincidentally turned out that the batch that was defective was for friends and family. Now, of course, we contacted the manufacturing company and they essentially weren't going to budge. I actually had to hand deliver $300 custom fit glasses to my friends and family that was really not up to a standard that was justifiable. And we couldn't give them their money back because we still needed to make more sales in order to do that. It was very, very humiliating. Now, of course, you know, they're friends and family, so they were polite about it, and they, they were really gracious and nice. They never said anything bad. There were still maybe five or 10 that I had to mail to the East Coast to a few of my close cousins and things like that. As if this story wasn't bad enough, it's just the gift that keeps on giving this story. A few years later, I'd say two or three years later, I had a wedding and it was on the East Coast and I invited most of these friends and family to the wedding, of course. Now, when I showed up, there were like one or two of my close cousins who kept calling me Bernie Madoff and shit because I, <laughs> because I gave them these crappy sunglasses that they knew were crappy, I knew were crappy. And I don't know if you guys don't know who Bernie Madoff is, basically he was the leader of probably the biggest pyramid scheme ever done. It was a huge scam to basically bait and switch people. 
And at my wedding, all of my cousins were yelling this at me <laughs> as I was like, you know, trying to give speeches or like doing dances and stuff like that. They were totally heckling me and I, I completely deserved it. And it was all in good fun, but it was painful <laughs> nonetheless. So that is my design horror story. Unfortunately, I have many more, but maybe for another time. Thanks for listening, guys. Appreciate it. Oh, man. That was a great story, John. Beautifully Thanks. told. Thanks for sending that in. And uh, I feel like there's so many like kind of mini moments in that, in that story that I had flashbacks to. Because I have, this is like my design horror story tangent. I don't know if it's a full horror story, but um, I thought I tangent off of John's story. So you know how I did the WWE dog toy line, James? Mm-hmm. John Cena. John Cena, good old John Cena, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Undertaker, you know, you know the deal. Um, coincidentally, and this is kind of like a, maybe an interesting horror story, I started off that project as kind of the the lead, just managing all these like ropes and rubber toys and things like that that were WWE affiliated. And... I also had to send it to WWE to get approved for licensing purposes, right? Because if whenever you use another company's, you know, copyright or, you know, intellectual property, that company has to approve it. So, you know, I would send files over to WWE, they would approve it, or they would say, oh no, you need to tweak this color, or you need to like, you know, move the W a little bit to the side or something like that. They're pretty particular, I got to say. And at a certain point, I became the go-to person. And as this product line got bigger and bigger, I was starting to just become this like licensing manager. I wasn't even doing design as much. I was, people were making all kinds of products on the marketing side and on the um, graphic design side and sending me files to submit and then i was like this third party middleman saying well you know wwe doesn't like this i learned so much about like how they portray their their characters and how they market everything um that i like started to i realized like this is not my job i shouldn't be doing this i was full-time like licensing manager or something um so is what the horror story, the depths to which no. you understood the brand guidelines of the WWE? Well, that's not, the, <laughs> that's not the horror story. That was like kind of a tangent, but um, yeah. eventually I, I told my boss, I was like, Hey, I can't do this. Like you gotta do, let someone else do this. Um, but the horror story came when we were designing the rubber dog toys. And this is like a mini horror story, but you know, we hired out, uh, amazing sculptor uh, I think it was called Big Shot Toy Works to do these John Cena Stone Cold Steve Austin like rubber characters out of dog or for a dog to chew on and um, they looked great and so I submitted the final files to WWE and they're so particular um, they came back and they said hey John Cena's nose is too big. You have to make it smaller. <laughs> and at this time, this this at this point in the time, the 
the CAD files are already done uh, and like the, the STLs were made. And so we couldn't tweak it or I couldn't go back to the sculptor because it was already, it was like too far gone. So I had to go wow. in there just like in John's story and start moving around the STL files and making John Cena's nose just a <laughs> tiny bit smaller. <laughs> um, and they eventually approved it, but it was just funny. It reminded me of that time I was in there messing with John Cena's nose. So <laughs> was John, was, was John Cena personally offended or was this somebody representing John Cena and his nose? I'm pretty sure this is someone representing John Cena. John Cena was just collecting his check. I don't think he cared, but he was a great guy. I told you I met him, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he seems, he seems pretty legit. Seems down to earth. Um, that's good. Yeah. I can't imagine having to tweak an, a, such a sculptural piece. Mm-hmm. Do you have, do you have an image of that, of that toy? Of the nose? Of the or nose just itself? Of, just of the toy. Yeah, I can. Pull it up right quick here. Let me share my screen. Yeah, share it. Come on. You're, Show you're, me the you're, nose. You're much quicker at I'm getting a little nosy here. <laughs> oh, you had to it's, shrink it's, that down? It's, well, you can already tell. It's pretty big. It's pretty big, right? How much bigger was it? Uh, I mean, it was it was definitely a little bit bigger. I think a lot of it was it was really pointy too, so I had to like kind of squish it down too. Um, but yeah, I tell you what, SolidWorks. Well, that's kind of like the the trick of the the story. It's like the sculptor, as you guys know, like in ZBrush or any sculptural software, it's STL files, kind of like what John was saying. So we had to go through an entire third party to get these converted to a surface file that I could mess with. Um, so it was like a big headache just to make John Cena's nose a little bit smaller. Yeah. But Jeez. It's a really cool, really cool sculpture. Yeah. I mean the, you know, big shot did a great job at that. So um, yeah. Turned out awesome. Well, that's all the horror stories we got. Did you have any kind of, Updates, I guess we kind of flip-flop the episode, have some, if there's any updates at the end. I know for me, I just wanted to thank everyone. The last time we talked, we did the Stretch Clock Kickstarter, and that was successful. So I appreciate all the listeners out there who contributed to the Kickstarter and shared it. So it meant a lot to me. So Yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations, Nick. Thanks. When does when does fulfillment begin, or has it already started? Uh, so as of recording, I actually just got the last piece that I needed for the early birds was the instructions. So it's just like a paper instruction pamphlet. Um, and now it's it's time to pack them up. I have to ask everyone what color they'd like, but mm-hmm. after that, I'll ship them out. So are you gonna are you gonna kiss every stretch clock goodbye as you no. pa- pack it in? <laughs> I don't think so. I think. Come on, Nick. Just, Give the people just, what they want. I, I mean, I could be a, I could be a, I could have coronavirus and not know it. I don't want it. <laughs> That's a liability. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about the pandemic. Oh, um, but um, that's sweet. Uh, in terms of my updates, I don't really have any. I've, um, 
I guess I'm, dad life. Well, yeah, I, I, I'm now out of my paternity leave. So I'm, I'm mm. back, I'm back to work, back to work, um, back to designing. And, uh, you know, I got my new computer. I got a bunch of new gear. I got, I got some Logitech stuff that I've had my eye on for a while. Like this oh, keyboard. What's that? The K 780, I believe. Right. Logitech K 780. <laughs> Is that Something right? Look like at the bottom. That. Look at the Something bottom. Like, I think it's right. Yep. K780. I think this you know, was. Everyone knows it. It's the famous one. It's the speckled one. You know which oh, one. Oh, yeah. Knows. Oh, yeah. I got the speckled version for sure. Um, and uh, this was actually, I'm pretty sure this was designed by Ben Bento Box, the Tumblr guy who does oh, the. Good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I also got this, this Logitech mouse. Oh, the vertical one. We had a lot. That was the. That was the Logitech beef. That's yeah. what I had beef with. You remember that, James? Yeah. So basically, uh, what they did was they they saw my concept and then they saw all the feedback in the comments and they perfected my concept. Now I'm I'm kidding. I'm sure that it was that this was simultaneous invention, um, actually done by uh, I think it was done done by Design Partners in Ireland, a really good design firm. Yeah. Um, so, so thank you, Design Partners, for incorporating the feedback from my Instagram. Oh my gosh! Well, I'm yeah. Kidding. If if you guys had forgotten that episode, I forget. You can probably scroll back and find it. But James had sketched up a vertical mouse concept that was a perfect. What was it? Pill shape? Yeah. Should I should I pull it volcano? up? Let me let me see if I can pull it up real quick. All right. Let me see if I can give you permissions here. Give me, Nick. I don't need like, child gotta, locks. I don't need child locks in Zoom here. Okay. I think you I'm, can. I'm I, a bit. I'm a big boy now. It says I can you share can my share. screen. Okay. Cool. Um. Okay. Wait. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Here we go. Let me. It was. It was volcano, wasn't it? Didn't you have a volcano? Yeah. Oh yeah. It was like. You know. You know the vol. Come on, volcanoes. We all know. I'm a that's volcano. The, that, that's the real deal. Um, so yeah, there it is. A nice rounded rectangle at the bottom to a volcano pill up to the top. It's completely vertical. No yeah. angles to it. I don't know that it would be comfortable in the slightest, but one of the, one of the details that I put in that I, that I really liked was the, the wrap around scroll so that you could, a left-handed person or a right-handed person could use this mouse. I dig the concept. I mean, I think it's really cool. Thank you. I appreciate just a, it. Just, just from an aesthetic like view, it's just such an interesting mouse. I've but, never. But yeah, Logitech. I, what's that? I was going to say like Logitech did a nice job with theirs too. There was kind of the pill shape going on, but it's not, it's not right and left. It's not ambidextrous. It's only one sided. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I've I've never ignited so much controversy on Instagram as as when I posted that mouse because people are very touchy about their mice. Oh, I believe it. That and like a coffee concept I put up once just enraged the coffee drinkers of of Instagram. Oh, um, but anyway, um, but yeah, I think I think that's pretty much all my updates. Did you, there was one other uh, thing we might've wanted to talk about 
I don't know if you wanted to give your take on the new Xbox and PlayStation. Oh yeah, we're we're pretty late to the party here. But we can, um, you know, it's fine. Yeah, but um, I mean, it's a, it's like it's still a big topic. Like people are constantly posting, like, here's the Xbox, here's the the PlayStation Five. Well, it recently um, recently shipped, right? So like the yeah. full product has shipped before it yeah. was like announced, and now it's shipped, so people can hold it. Um. I will say, I think my, f- I think my favorite of all of them is the. It's not the Xbox X, not the, uh, not like the cute, like the straight up rectangle, like the black rectangle. Right. But the Xbox, what S. is it? The S. S? Yeah, yes. with the with the black circle. I think that's pretty nice. Yeah. Um. Uh. And I and I know. I mean. You know, the so here here's like some things that I will say about these designs. Mm-hmm. Like, I I understand. I think what Xbox was going for, you know, they're going for this pure geometry, so that I think they want the design to kind of blend into your home, that it's not shouting for attention, right. And it, they have like these little details that are kind of nice, like on the on the top of the X. Those aren't actually lights, I don't think. Correct. They, they like it's weird because some of them show it almost glowing, but yeah, I saw yeah, this, that. This, this is my favorite detail, by the way. So you know, obviously on the top of the Xbox X. For those who haven't seen it, it's just an extruded black box, but at the top of it, it has a bunch of holes and a grid. And there's a green glow coming out of it. But what you don't know is that it's not actually glowing. It's actually just two layers of plastic. So the yeah. way that the holes are made, when you tilt a hole, you can kind of see down through the hole. Right. And the way the surfacing's done, it just looks like it's glowing, which I just thought was such a clever use of CMF material. Yeah, and I know that all of my all of my knowledge about about these boxes and and how they're constructed are based on mkbhd on youtube Mm -hmm. and his review but i know that for those designs like the the xbox x you know that that vertical design and those holes at the top that's all just for ventilation um so it, it works similarly to the way that that the mac the mac trash can worked right um but you know, I, I was thinking about this, thinking about the difference between the PlayStation and the Xbox. And um, something I've been doing lately is dropping just random thoughts on Twitter. Um, and I, in thinking about like sheer rectangles and sheer cubes and things and understanding how difficult they are to manufacture, like, I'm I'm not exactly sure. Like I don't know if this is some sort of like six part mold that Xbox yeah. made for no, this. It's definitely, it's definitely in bad. order to get like that to convince anybody to do that is very like nobody's gonna want to do that. You got that but, tech cash, that's what you gotta have, man. Right. But the but the thing is is that we also know how easy this shape is to make in SolidWorks. Right. It's like literally just like square extrude you know like obviously there's a lot of details here but for the most part you just look at it and you're like that's an extruded rectangle and 
but you know, then I look at the PlayStation and I'm like, okay, there's like, there's, there's some push here. There's like, there's some push to like do something really out there, really experimental form wise, something that PlayStation has never done before because it's almost like Xbox and PlayStation like flip flopped their design aesthetics because it's so true for sure because playstation the last playstation was such a so geometric yeah very slab Uh, and and um xbox like i guess i guess two generations ago you had the 360 and that Mm. was very organic that console that hourglass kind of shape which i kind of i kind of still love the 360 i think it's it's like it's a beautiful Astro, right? did Astro yeah. design the 360 I think so I think but I also thought that maybe um maybe minimal had a hand in it yeah I think once you get up into those high-end tech companies I think there's a lot in consultancies kind of picking on stuff so is this your age tracker are you tracking your your age oh it was yeah I guess I'm sharing my screen so <laughs> yeah I I to my knowledge, I think Astro had some hand on the Xbox 360. Yeah, here we go, Astro Studios. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some really beautiful elements to to that design. Um, yeah. And I've always loved the Xbox controller. I think it's like one of the most comfortable, most beautiful. Like the and the way that they've refined it since then, I think is really nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, I. You know, there's there's this part of me that's like, you know, PlayStation really like went for something super unique, um, and and sort of, you know, it's like this thing of like, do we cater to like the gamer crowd and the gamer aesthetic, or do we do we cater to the household, like, you know, the the person who's buying this for their kid and doesn't want this like loud, obnoxious device or maybe they're an older gamer and so they're looking for something a little bit more sophisticated but um i don't know like the i i kind of commend the playstation designers and that they like went out on a limb with this design like it's uh it feels pretty gutsy for sure yeah i think playstation definitely had the polarizing crowd people loved it people hated it Whereas Xbox, everyone was like, good job, Xbox. You made a mess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, I love the Xbox. I think it looks beautiful. Uh, yeah. Personally, I'm a PlayStation guy, but I haven't had anything since PlayStation 2. So. Yeah. That's, that's where I do really like the Series S, where it feels like... A little combination. <sighs> it's like bold. Yeah. White and the black contrast. Also, I just want to take a moment, shout out John Mariello's YouTube channel because he did a great breakdown of the Xbox. Actually, I don't know if it was specifically Xbox versus PlayStation. He might have one of those, but... I think he has actually a couple videos, like one covering the PlayStation, one covering the Xbox, and then also the most recent one talking about contrast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, that's what I was thinking because he was talking about the contrast of the black circle against the white box. So check it out. It's called Design Theory for anyone who's listening. You can check it out on YouTube. 
It's good stuff. Yeah, and and as you can tell from the story he told, he's he's got really great presentation skills. So the videos are are uh, the same caliber. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean the the S I feel like does feel it feels a bit a bit more home like a like like modern art kind of like a a, a home accessory like a speaker or something for sure yeah so i i do like that and i and i did like the previous xbox like the xbox one similar similarly sheer i don't know if um mr minimally minimal andrew kim had had anything to do i'm i'm curious where xbox decided to take the approach switch their approach to these very sheer boxes that feel you know this all feels very like Dieter Rams, like brawn yeah principles of design you know very motivated whereas playstation feels much more if like if you were to ask me which one of these is a game console, I would be like the PlayStation, like sure. having, having no knowledge of what they are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I think it just sort of, it le- these, these sort of like lean hard into two different camps. Yeah. For sure. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I don't like in the PlayStation, the one that has the CD-ROM, like that CD-ROM edition feels like an afterthought the cd hump yeah it's a little unfortunate i think on the playstation because without the hump it's a nice slim design but you get the hump in there and it's like what why yeah yeah um Um, but i gotta gotta say like microsoft's design team it's really been killing it i mean they've done a lot of stuff recently obviously the whole xbox team is solid um and then i think microsoft's done some cool phones and obviously they've been i think they've been doing some they've been catching up on the design game maybe yeah even, maybe even surpassing some people i don't know i mean it feels a little old now to see a new apple iphone every year but oh my god yeah let's not even let's not even talk about i mean yeah i mean the the 12 I'll, i will say i do i think the sheer sides the square sides is an improvement yeah. but other than that just like okay cool i want to i want to see i i want to see like a dyson launch event like i want to see more companies do launch events because i feel like a dyson launch event would be really fun and exciting it's like you know like there there's so much diversity of product there for sure but I was trying to think of other companies that I would want to see launch events from that don't do launch events. Like what about an Ikea event where like every time they're talking about a new piece of furniture, there's like a bunch of people up there like setting it up and they're seeing how quickly they can do it. That's funny. That's funny. But I don't know what, what company would you want to see a launch event from? I was thinking teenage engineering. Oh yeah. Yeah. That would be pretty sweet. Although I think part of teenage engineering's thing is sort of like the the mystery. Like I I don't like to me that seems that seems sort of like against their whole how they portray themselves. It's kind of like right. this, these like mystery science right. guys. Yeah. Um but um 
but I would absolutely love to see something like that anyway. Yeah. Well, I think that's all the kind of the fun topics we had. Just kind of, we kind of just wanted to hop on, chat a little bit, and also hear your stories. I don't think, obviously, we're recording this on Halloween, so I, this will be Thanksgiving. (laughs) Horror stories (laughs) during Thanksgiving. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. And hopefully, hopefully now, you know, we're going to get back into a rhythm of recording more podcasts. We've got some interviews coming up um, that we've been meaning to record. And uh, yeah, so stay tuned, everybody. We appreciate you guys hanging in there while we figure out the next stage of minor details. Definitely. But and, this, and if you're bored, you know where to find us. You know where to find us on the Discord. Come on. Uh, and that is that link still in the bio of the Instagram page? Correct. Yes. Nice. Um, and yeah, what else? Is there anything else we need to plug here? Uh, I think that's it. I'll put some uh, notes in the beginning. And, yeah. Uh, I think uh, that's it for us. Check out, check out, I think John Mariello should be our shout out. So check him out. Design theory. Design theory. Yeah. We'll link to it. But uh, as always, I'm at Nick B. Baker. And I'm at Idron Receipts. Peace. Later. <laughs>